0: When I was uh, in kindergarten, it's a little while ago, a good year though, it was one of my best years in school, I think, back, I think back. Uh, I remember in kindergarten we had these uh, blocks, these kind of, uh, I guess, long wooden blocks, and they were meant to build roads, and then we would have these little cars we would play with and so on, and, and so we, we would do that. But I do remember, in, in, from, my, from my recollection, uh, as the teacher would sometimes go out to the office or something, take off, there were a few of us who decided to use these blocks for something qu- quite different. We would uh, quickly pull aside all the chairs and desks and start a little hockey game in the middle of our kindergarten floor. It was kind of a linoleum floor. We had this little kind of puck, we'd shoot it back and forth. and We'd really get into this little hockey game. We prefer hockey over whatever the, the thing was, the cars. And so we'd get so much into it that we would make so much noise. We'd forget that the teacher was going to come back. And all of a sudden, we'd be playing and whatever, and then you look over and you see this, the teacher standing at the doorway, and not very happy. And it's probably happened a few times. This little reminder, this little story is maybe an illustration of what it means as a believer. to Think of the, when Christ comes, when he shows up, or, or when we, I guess, as we grow old and pass away as believers, now one day we will stand before our Lord. One day He's going to come back. And this little section in 1 John talks about the Lord's return. That it's going to be in a way that, uh, well, I'll read the first verse for you just going to understand where we're going with this. And think about, maybe think of the hockey illustration as we think of this. John says, Now little children, abide or remain in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. We were a bit ashamed when the teacher came to the door and found us playing hockey. It was uncomfortable. We probably got in trouble. Not quite sure what happened. Think about if the Lord was to return today. How would you feel? How would you feel about your life, the decisions you're making in your life? Would you be confident at his coming or would you be ashamed at his coming, the things that we're doing in our lives? That's a good question to ask ourselves, right? We are saved by God's grace, for sure. We are saved because uh, of, of our forgiveness in Christ. And those things are true. But as a believer, do we live in such a way that if he were to show up, even though we're saved, we'd be like, oh man. Laura, I wish you'd been a copy doing that. And that's the question we want to ask ourselves this morning from first John. Little children, abide in him, remain in him, so that we won't be ashamed before his coming. What does it mean to abide? Abide simply means to remain, to stay in the place of, to endure in that place, to be where Christ is. It's not really a complicated idea. It's to, as a follower of Jesus, to say, you know what? I live what I say I believe. That's kind of what it's saying, to abide in Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, same word, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, or apart from abiding, apart from staying in Christ, apart from praying and, and staying in his word and, and o- obeying his word, though not perfectly, apart from that, he says, we can really do nothing. We'll accomplish nothing for him. John 15 7, Jesus said this again and again, he says, If you remain in me, same term, abiding or remaining, and my words remain in you. So there's the key, his words. Ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. That sounds like a a license for asking for anything. I mean, Lord, I would love a brand new Mustang. You know, a sixty-six dollars beautiful Mustang, Lord, a Shelby Cobra. And you may have seen that on my Facebook page. Well, if I remain in him and his words remain in me, maybe that's not the best thing for me at this time. Nothing wrong with it, but maybe it's not what I need. He's not going to help his team the most. And so he may not give me that. But the idea is that if I'm in his word, his will becomes my will. I want to do what pleases him. And that's the idea here. Again, nothing wrong with, with the car itself. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Since you have been raised with Christ. Well, when, Paul, when was I raised with Christ? What do you mean, raised with Christ? I'm still here. Well, when you become a Christian, in God's eyes, and in fact, we are already raised with him. Our position is already with Christ in heaven. That's an incredible thought. Because we're still here. Positionally, we are with Christ. Because of that, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. Whoa, wait a second. What do you mean I died? The old self, again in God's eyes, that self that was born in this world, in effect, has died with Christ. You are now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. There's something that we look forward to as believers. We talked before about violence in Winnipeg. There's been a lot of that lately. And around the world. Constantly. People passing away tragically. This life is, this life, this earthly life is temporary. And we see it, it becomes very evident when we see that happening. It is very temporary. And so you have to ask yourself, what am I setting my heart on? What am I, what am I setting my mind on? Is it the things here? Am I so concerned about this, this little 70, 80, 90, 100, 120 years that I have? My, My, my cousin died at 21, drowned. He had no idea that day day would be his last. You know, we we look at, this is our life here. If this was a rope, the rope would go out the door, down the highway, around this perimeter, and never stop. That's eternity. But we're so concerned about this little piece right here called now. And God says, I want you to be concerned about eternity, because that's forever. It's forever. And so we're supposed to set our hearts on that stuff. Back to 1 John. If you know that he is righteous, who's he? Well, Christ, who's going to appear, it says. He will appear. If you know that he is righteous, if he is perfect, if he is holy, then you know that, and here's for us, everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. 1 John's all about knowing if you really are believers. It gives you confidence to say, you know what? I am a believer, right? I'm one who's confessing my sin because I do sin. I'm one who's not loving the world or the things of the world. I'm one who loves my brothers and sisters, though not perfectly. Those should be clues that you are a believer. Another clue is this. Do you see righteousness in your life? Again, not perfectly. Because we have a fallen body. We still sin. But there should be a, a practice of righteousness in your life. There should be an evidence of of you want to do what pleases Christ. I'll tell you, when when I mess up, when I sin, and and just so you know, Pastor Dave sins. Can I tell you that? I'm not some, you know, way out there kind of guy. When I sin, what makes me feel, I don't want to say good, but confident is that right away I think, Lord, I I can't stand that I did that. I hate that I did that. I hate that I thought that way. I hate that I acted that way. I hate that I, I, I just hate it. Because there's something in me that desires to be like Christ. And so if you have that, that is common to know that God is in you. That you are born of him. It doesn't say we are, we are righteous like he is at this point in our lives. We still sin. But God has put his seed into us. We desire to be like him. Jonathan goes on to chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. I have two daughters that you know, some of you know them, um, Kendra and Mackenzie, and boy, I like to lavish them. What does lavish mean? Oh, just, you know, just, I'm, I'm just a sucker of a dad. I'm, I'm bad. Young know, dad said, hey, you want something all get afraid. We're gonna go beyond. I'm gonna eat some more. You know, we, we probably eat too much with too much Tim Hortons. I don't know. I just want to hang out with them. I want them to enjoy life. I want to give them things. And sometimes I do say no, of course, but I want to lavish on them. I want to fill them with my love, my my presence. I want to be with them. Have you ever thought of God that way for you? He wants to lavish his what? His love. And he looks at us and and you think to yourself, how could God love me? Do you know what I've done, Dave?" And I would say to you, do you know what I've done? But because of Christ, because of the forgiveness, God lavishes. It's like a waterfall coming down on us. It just pours on us. His love just never stops. And he he just loves you because he's chosen to love you. How great the love the Father has lavished on us. And the ultimate is that he calls you his child, incredible. He looks at you and says, you're my child. You say, well, yeah, look what I've done, but I love you. Again, I think my daughters, and I, I mean, they're as, well as perfect as I can probably think of daughters to have, but they, they, they disappoint me at times, and they do things that are wrong. But I don't stop loving them. And I forgive them when they do wrong things, and they, they say, Dad, I'm sorry. That's what God is for us. He loves you so much. He lavishes his love on us. The reason why the world does not know us, the next verse says, is that it did not know him. So people look at you and you say, well, I'm a Christian. I, maybe you, you know, maybe at school you, or at work you kind of are known as the Christian. and Maybe people kind of mock you. They go, what, what are you doing? Like, what, like, forget that stuff. You're wasting your time with that. And the reason they don't understand, the reason they don't get what you're all about, why you would go to church on Sunday, why you would pray, why you read your Bible, why you would love God is because they don't know Him. They don't get it. And that's why we need to be praying for our friends and coworkers, that they would know Him. That simple faith would come into their hearts and they would believe and be born again. Nothing else matters really, it really this life, does it? really doesn't matter. The rest of it's all kind of stuff we enjoy. But this is what matters right here. Next couple of verses. Dear friends, now, now we are children of God. I mean, not, not just the future, but right now. And what we will be has not been made known to us. So there's something coming. We're not, we're not what God has us to be yet. And you know that. I mean, you're frustrated by the weakness we have, disease we have, the fact that we die still. All those things frustrate us because we have been given an eternal spirit, an eternal life. It doesn't fit with this body. And so we're waiting for something. He says, And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when, here's the key point, the key histo- historical point we're, still, we're looking towards is that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. Amen. For we shall Savior. We shall see him. We shall see him. We're going to see him. Amen. It's not some spiritual thing. We're going to see him. Yes. He said the same way he left, he will return. For we shall see him as he is. Glorify Christ, eternal God. We'll see him. Amen. And all who have this hope, and this is the key. All who have this hope, the return of Christ, Motivates themselves to purify themselves. You're going to think back to my story about the the teacher. If the teacher, if we had heard the teacher walking down the hall, clock, you know, click, clock, click, clock, click, clock, or we had somebody at the door watching, what would we have done? We would have got all the chairs back in order, we would have got the the blocks put away, we would have been playing cards by the time she got back in. But we weren't watching, we weren't waiting. If we know that he's coming, we know that we're going to be made like him, and this is our hope, why wouldn't we now begin to live that way? we begin to purify our lives. Again, we're not looking at perfection in this world. We're not going to do it. But with the help of of Christ, God puts his Holy Spirit into us so that we can actually live a more pure life than we lived before. We begin to change. We begin to be transformed. Remember, the Holy Spirit is not his first name, Holy. It's not Mr. Holy Spirit. It's really the spirit of holiness. His job in us is to make us holy. And so we're, as believers, we begin to purify ourselves. And even when we sin, we confess it, we keep going. It's the beauty of following Christ, right? And it's a beautiful life. Holiness is beautiful. We even have that first... Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. It's a beautiful way of living. It's, it's loving people. It's taking care of people. That's really what this is all about. Just as he is pure. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, here's the same thing. Let us purify ourselves from what? Paul, what are we supposed to purify ourselves from? Everything that contaminates our body and spirit perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. One day we all will stand before God. It's an amazing thought. Have you ever thought about it before, that one day you will stand before God? It makes me squirm, right? It makes us squirm. Now, but the thing is, here's here's the confidence we have. If we are, first of all, If we believe in Christ, our sins are forgiven. That's taken care of, right? That's a gift. It's grace. But as a believer, how we live after, standing before our Lord, then will be either reward or not. Paul talks in a different place. Let me just read the verses here. I just thought about it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and he's uh, talking about how believers will be rewarded. For no one can lay any other foundation other than which has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ, right? That's where you become a believer. You put your faith in Christ. Now, after that, we begin to build on that. It's like a building. If anyone builds on the foundation, which is Christ, using gold and silver and costly stones, I mean, who wouldn't want a house like that, right? Gold, silver, costly stones. Or you can use wood, or you can use hay, or you can use straw, I mean, what would you choose? Three little pigs? Mm -hmm. Then here's the key. Their work will be shown for what it is. You see, as a Christian, I can accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. and, And if it's legit, there is going to be something there. What I do with the rest of my life will either be based kind of a gold kind of thing or a silver or costly stones or it becomes maybe wood, hay, and straw. It says, their works will be shown by what it is. Uh, the day will bring it to light when Christ returns. It will be revealed with fire, and when the fire will test the quality of each person's work. What happens with hay and stubble and wood and fire? It burns. Now, we're not talking literal physical fire. We're talking God's judgment here, right? This is God going to judge. He's going to say, how you lived your life will matter as a believer you're saved, you'll be in heaven, but there's going to be a difference in how you lived your life and the rewards God gives. Did you use gold in your life? Were you loving? Were you caring? Were you, were you generous? Were you always concerned for God's ways? Or the stubble, the hay, the wood, the stuff that will burn, that won't last? Oh, yeah, but, but Dave, I have such an amazing stamp collection. You didn't see it. Nothing wrong with stamp collecting, by the way. I'm not sure if there's any stamp collectors here. But what, do you, what are we putting our time into? And this is an encouragement for all of us to think, how do I spend my, my time? My money? My, how do I treat people and friendships? Am I so concerned about this 70 years that I have, or 80 or 90 or 100 or 120, whatever God gives me, am I so concerned about that? And that's the wood and stubble and hay. I want to be building for eternity. I want to do things that last. You see, the gold and the silver, that'll make it through the fire. It makes it through the fire. A couple more slides here. We're almost done. Paul says the same thing here. If for only this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. I mean, let's face it. If there's no return of Jesus, if there's no heaven, if there's nothing after you die in this life, we are to mostly pity. We're just a bunch of weirdos, really, to be honest. Because we put our hope in all this. We spend every Sunday here, or you know, a lot of Sundays in church, you read your Bibles, you pray, and if it's just a waste of time, what are we doing? Right? It's a waste. And then Paul says, if, this, if there's no hope beyond this, if there's no hope in Christ, we're to be pitied. And he says for himself, I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ, Jesus our Lord, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, right? If there's no hope beyond this life, if you die, and that's it. Then this is the, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. We're wasting our time here. Stop giving your money. Stop doing anything to do with God. But we know different, Right? Because you've placed your trust in Christ and you know, you know it's real. And you feel that you know that the love of God is in you, that seed is there. And you you read these words and they come alive to you, and you say, This is real. I love this, this God. And again, we sin. We still feel that forgiveness of God as well, right? As a loving father. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. This hope gives us security. If I didn't have hope beyond this life, I don't know how it would drive me crazy. Again, I watch my my students in high school. There's not a lot of hope there in their eyes. They don't even want to finish high school or something. They see no need to go to math class. They don't understand what's the point. They've lost hope. And their, their friends and the world tells them, well, there really is no hope. I mean, this is it. We're on a little piece of rock flying fly through the universe. Hopefully we don't hit something. That's the hope they have, which is no hope at all. But we have this hope, Christ coming, as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We're going to have to prepare for a now. I'm going to invite the, the group to come forward and read are in a song and then uh, we'll have community together and to celebrate our hope Stand up for this one. <laughs> and <the flag>. Yeah. <laughs>